UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of .25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org slash medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals. Bringing knowledge to your world, here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to UAB MedCast. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to listen as we discuss the protocol for liver transplant for patients with hyalur cholangiocarcinoma. Joining me is Dr. Robert Cannon. He's an assistant professor and surgical director of the liver transplant program at UAB Medicine. Dr. Cannon, it's always a pleasure to have you join us today. Tell us a little bit about hyalur cholangiocarcinoma, or CCA. What is it, and how prevalent is it? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm always happy to be back. So hyalur CCA is a very rare tumor, actually. It's only diagnosed in about a little over one patient per every 100,000 people yearly. So it's something we only see sort of a few times a year, but we would obviously see more in concentrated referral centers. And what it is, it's a cancer of the bile ducts. So your liver, one of the many functions it does is it's constantly making a substance called bile that helps us digest fat. And the bile exits your liver and travels to your intestine through a tube called the bile duct. It's essentially part of the plumbing of the liver. So cholangiocarcinoma is a cancer of those bile ducts. And in particular, uh, hyalur cholangiocarcinoma, and that's based off the location in what's known as in the liver hilum. So it's right where the ducts exit the liver. And that's in a very difficult location to treat. Typically, it's fairly advanced by the time it's diagnosed because patients are often asymptomatic early on. And then surgical resection, by the time most people are diagnosed, is no longer an option. And unfortunately, we really don't have very good chemotherapy for these patients. So typically, it's carried a very poor prognosis because patients are typically advanced by the time they present. So what's been the standard of care when you do come across this situation? Tell us a little bit about the history of liver transplantation, liver transplantation alone, and with adjuvant therapies. Yeah, so essentially most patients, the standard of care has always been surgical resection, complete removal of the tumor, which often requires a major liver resection as well. Oftentimes we have to remove two-thirds or more of the liver along with the bile duct in order to completely remove these cancers surgically. Unfortunately, the vast majority of patients are already unresectable due to a more extensive tumor that can't be surgically removed at the time of diagnosis. So typically, chemotherapy has really been the only option for these patients, but the chemotherapy available has really not been very active against this cancer. So survival has been very poor in patients who can't be resected. Even in patients who've undergone surgical resection, actually, survival is not nearly as good as we see with other cancers that we can remove, such as colon cancer or even metastatic colon cancer. But seeing that how much resection improved the outcomes, the group in University of Nebraska early on first started a protocol where they would start very intensive neoadjuvant chemotherapy and radiation prior to transplantation, and they found an early survival benefit there. So then really the researchers at Mayo Clinic really pioneered this and sort of developed the protocol, a variation of which is used by most transplant centers around the country who are doing this. And this involves, again, a very prolonged course of chemotherapy and radiation up front followed by staging to make sure that there's no disease that spread to the nodes. And for the patients who make it through this protocol, they can then undergo liver transplantation. So these are patients who were previously thought to be unresectable, which is essentially a death sentence. But now that patients are able to get through the protocol and can be transplanted, can really enjoy very good survival that's equivalent to or sometimes even better than those who are able to undergo resection. 
Well, you just touched on this briefly as far as patient selection. So what do they have to have completed before this would be an option? What's the criteria for entry into a transplant protocol that's not amenable to resection? Tell us a little bit about who's considered unresectable or who fits the criteria into this protocol program. Certainly. So criteria for resectability, essentially, we have to think that we'll be able to remove all of the tumor completely. Because otherwise, if you're leaving tumor behind, then you haven't really helped the patient. So what makes a tumor unresectable is if it's either invading the main portal vein or hepatic artery, or if it's growing bilaterally into both sides of the liver into the bile ducts, because we can't remove the whole liver and survive. So that's typically what makes people, patients, unresectable. Another thought is, and that's in sort of cholangiocarcinoma that just arises out of the blue, which is the vast majority of them in the United States. Now, in the setting of primary sclerosis and cholangitis, actually, some would consider all of those patients unresectable based on the fact that all of their bile ducts are abnormal and they have a much higher lifetime risk of cholangiocarcinoma. So patients with PSC, in general, are just considered unresectable by many programs, and that will allow entry into neoadjuvant transplant protocol. In terms of specific selection for who's eligible, so after making the diagnosis, one of the biggest things is there clearly has to be no metastatic disease outside the liver, and there has to be no nodal metastasis as well. So cancer that's spread to the nodes is a very poor prognostic indicator, and those patients have been found not to do well after transplant. So metastatic disease or nodal metastasis are one contraindication. And the other is the tumor size. So if they have a mass, that mass has to be less than three centimeters uh, in order to qualify for the protocol. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, is they can't have had a transparent neobiopsy of the tumor itself, so either a percutaneous biopsy of the tumor or, more commonly, an endoscopic fine needle aspiration of the primary tumor itself will rule patients out for potential transplant because there can be peritoneal seeding that will result in metastasis later. So those are our sort of inclusion criteria for patients who will consider for the protocol. But in general, you know, we really don't want the burden of deciding who's transplant eligible and who's not necessarily to have to be on doctors in the community taking care of cholangiocarcinoma patients. We'd be happy to evaluate all patients with CCA, and then we'll be happy to try and find the most appropriate therapy for them. It may be resection, uh, it may be transplantation, or there may indeed be patients who unfortunately aren't candidates for either. But, you know, we'd be happy to sort of take on the care for all those patients. Well, you certainly are a preeminent expert in this field, Dr. Cannon. So for this to be successful, what neoadjuvant therapy is recommended? And does liver transplantation following this type of therapy have efficacy in the treatment of CCA? Certainly. So, yeah, it's a very well-prescribed treatment regimen, and we have to get our regimens approved by the United Network for Organ Sharing in order to get transplant priority for these patients. So at UAB, our regimen is going to include uh, induction with three to four cycles of a combination of gemcitabine and cisplatin, which is a very standard chemo regimen for this type of cancer. This will be followed by external beam radiation over a course of three weeks, during which time they're also getting 5-FU as a radiosensitizer. Finally, they'll undergo catheter-based brachytherapy to the tumor to get an extra radiation boost to the region. After they've completed their chemoradiation, they'll then stay on maintenance oral chemotherapy until the time of transplant. Now, typically, once they've completed the 
upfront chemoradiation, once they have gotten their melt exception point, which is what will give them priority for transplant, they'll then have to undergo a staging laparotomy. Uh, and during that, what we will do is dissect out all the portal lymph nodes and send those to pathology. Because again, I think as we discussed earlier, they have to not have nodal metastases in order to get the benefit of transplant. So this is where many patients who do drop out of the protocol and don't make it on a transplant, this is a common point of failure. Uh, some of the data from Mayo Clinic will suggest that up to 20% of patients will have positive nodes found at this staging operation. But if the nodes are not involved, then they can go on a transplant. And the survival has really been excellent. So one of the big determinants of survival, and one of the important ones is whether this arises in the setting of primary sclerosis and cholangitis or sporadically. So results are really excellent for patients with PSC. Five-year post-transplant survival for transplanted patients at Mayo Clinic with PSC is 77%. So that's as good as any other disease we do transplants for. Survival is not as good for patients with de novo cholangiocarcinoma. Their five-year post-transplant survival is only 56%. Still much better than they would have had without surgical resection and just with chemotherapy. Well, they wouldn't. They're not candidates for surgical resection, but I mean with chemotherapy alone. So there's certainly a survival benefit for transplant for these patients. So would transplantation with neoadjuvant therapies be better treatment than resection for patients with potentially resectable disease? So that's a very interesting question and one that's the subject of active debate. There is an ongoing clinical trial being run in France right now known as the TRANSFIL study. That should complete enrollment this year, and that may hope to give us an answer to that question. But that's certainly, with the results we've seen with transplantation, that's certainly a question many in the field are asking. Now, from a practical standpoint, in order to get transplanted with a deceased donor at least, it's a requirement that the patients be considered unresectable. However, with a living donor transplant, um, it could be potentially considered for resectable patients, particularly if some of the data that we expect to come out over the next few years does prove that transplant would be superior even to resection. Well, you just got to my next question, which was appropriate prioritization for the deceased donor liver for CCA patients awaiting that. But so moving on from that, and before we wrap up, as the curative treatments remain challenging, what are some advances in hepatobiliary techniques that have improved the results and the outcomes of these tumors? So really in hepatobiliary surgery, I think the surgery itself has not changed a lot probably over the last 10 years. Probably better adjuvant therapy, I think, is one of the bigger things that's going to improve the survival. So a while back, there was a trial known as the BILCAP study, which really compared uh, capsidamine orally in an adjuvant setting. Now, it didn't include just hyalurcholangiocarcinoma. It included other biliary cancers as well. But there was a significant survival benefit with oral capsidamine following complete resection of cholangiocarcinomas. And I think that's been probably the first improvement we've seen in a while in survival. And hopefully, there will be some trials of some of the newer immunotherapies and checkpoint inhibitors. We don't know if there's any role for those in biliary tract cancers as yet, but I'd be interested to see what comes along. And do you have any final thoughts for other providers? You mentioned briefly before that for community physicians and when you feel it's important they refer, will you please reiterate that, Dr. Cannon, for us? Certainly. I think if you have a patient with a hyalurcholangiocarcinoma, certainly send them over. We're happy to see them and evaluate them to see whether they'd be a resection or a transplant candidate. We love working with our partners in the community. Thank you so much, Dr. Cannon. What a great guest, as always you are. And a community physician can refer a patient to UAB Medicine by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. That concludes this episode of UAB MedCast. 
For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, please visit our website at uabmedicine.org physician. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UAB Medicine podcasts. Until next time, I'm Melanie Cole.